The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. There'd be a lot of poop in the mic. <laughs> Seen a six foot alligator go swinging through the air and slam into a tree. These guys are the scientists of the supernatural, lecturers leaving lessons for inquiring laymen. They are applying the scientific method to a world that baffles science. They are the cryptids of the corn. But who else has big black wings and red eyes? Um, Batman. Oh, Mothman. Oh, yeah, Mothman. A great white shark was stolen. Oh, someone stole a shark? I got stuff for you you don't even know about. She's a witch. She turned me into a newt. Who knows? Anything could be possible. Anything could be possible. It's really big. Mm -hmm. Abduction vibes. Holy moly. It sounds like you were abducted. And it just stood up. I mean, it just, like, kept going and going. And she goes, what the... <laughs> hey guys, welcome back. I'm the great and powerful mystery. You're listening to Cribs of Corn podcast. Nobody else is in here with me. And I didn't realize the mic's Ron J. And that's what all the hand signs are for. Huh? I was reading over here. What? <laughs> He's waving at me. Why are you moving your hands like that, Justin? <laughs> I've never seen that before. It's not like we've just recorded seven hours worth of stuff before this. I don't, I was, I was, I don't know, <laughs> reading this, I looked over you. I wish that was being recorded visually. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was, hey, I was, hey, hey Mike's crap. unmuted. Huh? Hey, what? What? <laughs> what? I was like, oh, hey, yeah. All right. This is our first attempt at this Wednesday, this new Wednesday format. We're super excited. Yeah. Ross, it's all about Ross today. That's right. And uh, you're going to hear Ross. We're going to read from Ross. Ross has an, um, some amazing encounters, very scary encounters. Not amazing for Ross. I'll put it like that. And I haven't heard or read any of this yet, till, so this is my debut. Um, I unfortunately, I have to listen to the ones beforehand. Right, just to make sure. Yeah. You guys and Ross, I trust Ross. Ross, Patreon member, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Ross is, you know, we've had a lot of fun with Ross, but he's just like. You never know. You got to test. Uh, yeah. I do have I do have to give a language warning. He does use a couple swear words through this. So okay. for everybody at home, that's your warning. It's not bad, though. It's not like, uh, oh, you know, we love Chaz, Chaz of the Dead. Yeah. <laughs> but Chaz cusses like my wife. Right. It, oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Oh, Only God. when she's mad. That, uh, when she's around her family, or she's outside, oh, or she's inside, or, or she's awake. <laughs> awake conscious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Emily sounds like she grew up on a, sh uh, like on a naval ship. Hmm. Interesting. It's just like I'm. You notice how I'm staying out of this one. Mm -hmm. She doesn't listen to these. <laughs> That's a lie. She she binge listens. Yeah, she won't listen for like three or four weeks, and then she'll be like, "What are you talking about, me?" On this will be one of them. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Not like she's in the next room. I know, literally. So this is our new kind of format for Wednesdays when we don't have a guest interview lined up. We're going to try to cut back on some of those interviews because they eat up so much time. They're kind of hard to schedule. So this is through Speakerpipe, our voicemail service. So if you guys want to do this, please leave us a voicemails, anything, you know, if you have your encounters and stuff like that. Encounters, you got good stories, you know, uh, or just you want to be send us something funny. I don't know. Oh, yeah. If we get enough funny ones, we'll do a whole episode on funny ones. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That'll be funny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so thank you, Ross, again. So Ross's encounters are going to be kind of split up into three groups. Okay. I have one short uh, audio one is his first encounter. And then uh, Jay here is going to read his written submission. And then I have, uh, on the back end, more audio ones to play. Sound yeah. good? Yeah, it sounds great. Okay. You ready for his first one? Yeah. I think this will work. Yeah, I think it'll work. We'll find out. You ready? I was born ready. Hi, uh, this is Ross. Um, okay, uh, I guess I'm going to tell the first part of um story when I was younger of... Um, missing some time and uh this happened in phoenix arizona um in the early 90s um at the 
try to get the exact dates, but um, I was spending the night at a friend's house. Um, everything was pretty normal, you know. I was uh, probably maybe six or seven at the time. Um, and, you know, we went to bed normal, and we had, there was bunk beds, and I was in the top bunk. Um, sometime that night, I woke up um, just out of the blue, and it was this very bizarre feeling of um, something just wasn't quite right. Uh, it's, it was just like an unease, a restlessness of some sort. And um, there was a window directly in front of us, and through this window, um, it was like this weird um, green light that that like oozed through it. It almost had like a substance to it. It was very it was strange. And I'm sitting there watching this thing, like terrified. I have no idea. Like I'd never experienced anything like that before. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, like I just it was it was just some time later, um, and the light was still there, but it kind of faded out and I was like drenched in sweat um and it there was some time that had been lost um like it, I had looked at the clock and it was like a few hours later and there was no recollection of that I didn't fall back asleep I didn't um move I didn't do anything I was kind of paralyzed with fear and initially and when I snapped out of it again I, I was in the same state and very similar position just um again it was just terrified i had no idea what would happen um and i didn't really sleep much the rest of the night uh the next morning you know i, I figured there was some sort of explanation for it um maybe there was like somebody had a light or was shining through the window or i, I don't i just didn't know i was you know i was a little kid so me and my friend went out and um and looked for this light and we could never find anything Nothing really made sense um, as to what had happened, um, but it was it was pretty terrifying. It ended up actually having a correlation. Um, it was around the time of the, the Phoenix Light incident. Mm. I mean, I don't want to say that there's a direct parallel necessarily, but it was around that time period that all that happened um, and that I, I experienced what I did. Um, and that was one of the first things that I really ever um, that really ever happened. It was uh, not the last by any means, but it was pretty terrifying for a little kid. Um, but yeah, uh, that was uh, that's my little story of I, I I don't even know what, but um yeah I'll, I'll um I guess end it here. I I wish I remembered more of it, but there's it was just uh, you know just an lapse of time and that weird light and just uh, feeling complete unease and terror. Uh, but anyways, I will record um, the continuation of the Gray Man story uh, here in a second, but uh, this is the end of this one. Okay, so he, I guess, woke up and seen the gray light or green light out of his window. Yeah. And then had that loss of time. And yeah, then like it was oozing almost. Like he describes it very... I, I don't I don't either, like organic ish hmm. like melting light I kind of picture it and Ross can tell us uh, later with like a, an add on or whatever to me it kind of sounds like you ever seen the underside of somebody welding yeah how the it's orange light right but it's kind of pulsing and oozing and stuff like right. that yeah. it's almost like a liquid to the light yeah because it's, it's liquid metal it's right so exactly. hot it's glowing exactly yeah uh, so that's kind of what I picture but the green version yeah but a yeah. ball you know hmm. uh, and then. Ross, this is, I don't know if this gets talked about a lot. There was a lot of UFO weird encounters around the whole country around the Phoenix Lakes incident. Hmm. They just weren't, none of them were as grand as the Phoenix Lakes. You know, we're talking, you know, Phoenix Lakes had thousands of witnesses. Right, yeah. Thousands. Uh, so it's really gets overshadowed, but there was tons and tons and tons of little ones. There was a bunch in New York. There was a bunch uh, down south. There was a bunch, you know, in uh, Michigan and stuff like that around this time. Hmm. So it could have been a very paranormal time happening. Right, yeah. Now, that was the first little bit. You have the, yeah, the it, next What, what section, Ross alluded to the was... The gray man his, encounter. Yeah, so he's... So Ross had submitted this way before we even got the voicemail system. Gotcha, okay. So that's why it's kind of like this. Okay. So I'll start reading um, what Ross wrote, had sent to us. He wrote, this is the beginning of the gray man experience I had. 
I moved to a rural area of North Georgia slash Alabama mountains. Sand Mountain was the name of the place. It was connected to Dade County, Georgia, but right over the state line in Higdon, Alabama. I was around eight years old. When I first got there, it was a total culture shock having moved from a large urban area in the southwest. I vividly remember driving through a virtual sea of green um, light outside of my Atlanta. The novelty of the trees... Or Wait, no, Ryan, let me reread that. I vividly remember driving through a virtual sea of green right outside of Atlanta. The novelty of the trees soon wore off, and I dove back into a book to stave off the boredom of a long drive to my new home. At some point, I started to feel really uneasy, so I told my mom. She wrote it off as a symptom of the major life change or something to that effect. I did my best to just accept it as nothing more than that, but the anxiety and the sense of oppression got a lot worse. It seemed that heavy feeling directly correlated to the proximity of my new home, in quotes. That was a feeling that I would live with for more than a decade. I would soon find out that it was nothing in relation to what I would soon experience. I can't say how long it was until I started, until it started, but it had to be, it had to be a few months after we moved into a little trailer at the end of a long driveway in the clearing of the woods. Our closest neighbor was well over a mile away. My mom or my room was on the opposite end of the trailer as my mother and her husband's of Wait, okay. My room was on the opposite end of the Not trailer. Not so easy, is it? As my mother and her husband's room. <laughs> you. I had a huge bay window, which will be important in a minute. So it all started kind of odd one night. I couldn't sleep despite being tired from exploring the acres of woods that I, I now resided in. So I'm lying there, Cartoon Network in the dark, trying to fall asleep. Been there many a times. Oh, yeah, I did that last night. <laughs> Very suddenly, I'm deep in the woods in the southeast of the property. It was a place that I had been before, but not really much, although I did recognize it. It was the strangest feeling, like being a passenger in another one's mind, seeing through their eyes, but having no control just along for the ride. It was disorienting, to say the least, and and at least it exponentially worsened when whatever it was started to move. It was an unnatural speed, predatory and precise, kind of reminiscent of... The way an animal would stalk its prey darting from cover to cover, tree to tree. It was a blur until it stopped again, just giving me the time I needed to regain my bearings as much as I was able. This only lasted for a few seconds, and I snapped back to my own body, again laying in bed. It was such a strange feeling, and I didn't want to think, even think about it, and I didn't want it to be real. The next night it happened again, and the next, and the next. After a few days, I realized that each time it was for a bit longer, and it definitely seemed to allow me to see through it longer each night. I can't say how long this lasted, but it was long enough to be a commonplace event every night. One night, I was coming up to the clearing of that trailer that the trailer was in, and I realized as though my consciousness was in this thing's mind to some degree, an all-consuming sense of dread started to rise up in me, worsening with Every brief pause behind cover, and he wrote in parentheses here, no, thinking back to this, thinking back, this thing didn't seem to operate in any sense of time and space that we are accustomed to because it would pick up every night in the place that it was left, that I left its mind or whatever, but I didn't think it was frozen there until the next day. I think it was just playing some sort of game or something, something of the kind, like when an orca plays with a seal or a cat and a mouse. End parentheses. As my terror reached a crescendo, I was suddenly ejected back to myself. I don't know if I if I did it, or it killed whatever link it had made, or but it or what. But okay, let me reread this because it is now uh, throwing some Swahili. Huh? Now Swahili. throwing some, some you mean Swahili. More more Maori. I'm just saying it's just it's very it's hard to read off a script. Right. And but then I, add a foreign language. I think he typed in a, an extra word by accident. Don't blame it on him. So I don't know if I did it or it killed whatever link it had made, but it was different this time. I sat up. I sat straight up and turned toward the window, and I just knew it was there, that it was just a few feet outside of the tree line. As much as I didn't want to, I still gathered myself up to look out that bay window in the tree at the tree line. It was there, leaning from behind a huge large tree right at the edge of the woods it was tall very tall and its skin was taut like it was stretched over its bones 
but I don't really remember any detail of its skeletal anatomy. All its features were grotesquely elongated, like they were stretched out purposely. It had long, clawed fingers that curled around into a, the common sign that you would use to beckon someone closer to you. Its face was large and humanoid, but with the same stretched-out look. It had a smile that was impossibly wide, and large, long, sharp teeth, skinny and needle-like. Its eyes were really big, even with, it, even with that for its size. It just stood there staring at me through the window, cocked its head in motion for me to come to it. I call it the gray man, although it had no discernible gender. It was an animal terror unlike anything I have ever felt, but I found myself having to actively fight an almost uncontrollable impulse to go out to it. It was like it, could om it was almost compelling me to go with it to the forest. After what seemed like forever, I was able to pull myself away from the window and crawl back into bed. All I could do the rest of that night was wait for it to get tired of waiting and decide to come to me. It never did, and when the sun finally came out, I couldn't feel it anymore. This was the new no normal for me. Almost every night it would come back and wait and watch. The compulsion lessened eventually, though, which was the only real silver lining. I stopped sleeping a lot and would spend the nights in the living room as much as possible, as much as I could, which wasn't often. After quite some time of living with this thing, appearing all the time in different places, it got closer at night. I don't have a total memory of this night exactly, or I guess I should say that I don't have a complete memory. I think, I think it gave it away or, and something else. I think I gave it away and something else. After being plagued by this thing for quite a while, it was really getting to me. I wasn't sleeping, which affected lots of other areas of my life. This is in connection with the tumultuous environment. Wait, this in connection with, the tumult with a tumultuous environment was quickly pushing me to a breaking point. One night I awoke to this thing, something different perched on the bottom railing of my bed. The only way I can describe it was kind of like a fawn from Pan's Labyrinth. Mm. It looked much different than that character, but it's as close to an analog as I can come up with. It told me that it would get rid of the gray man, but for a price. The fawn had a different energy to it than the gray man, than the gray man did. But I don't think it was something that was good, of good intent, a mild, almost predatory opportunism at best. I was, however, desperate and exhausted, so whatever it wanted from me, whatever price it required, I paid it. It did indeed keep up its end of the bargain until I ended up accidentally opening the door for this thing to re-enter. Some years later, my life did return to kind of normal. Well, in some ways. Dang! So this, this, I don't know, the supersized Dover Demon Anglerfish Monster Man. Kind of how, yeah. Kind of how I think of it too, yeah. It's it's horrifying. Yeah. Absolutely horrifying. He said he was like eight, I think he Ross said at the beginning. Let me double check real quick when they moved. Yeah, I was around eight years old. That when is he first got there. So just, and then this this deal thing. So the fawn thing I don't like because it reminds me like all the stuff that's going on around at Pan, the Green Man, yeah. all this like higher end trickster deity demon thing. And so me and Ross talked off air before this about this part of the encounter. Yeah. There's a book I read in my childhood, and I wanted to bring this up on the episode. If anybody has ever read the same book, I need your help remembering it. I only remember, like, a good chunk of it. There's still pieces of missing. Like, this guy, this kid moved to Alaska, and the first night he's there, he gets stung. It's called, like, Blue Dot or something like that. He gets stung by this giant scorpion tundra cat thing. Okay. And it leaves a blue, like freckle on him and it runs away monster giant monster and what it is is like seasoning him because he starts getting these episodes where he starts seeing it hunt other kids and it starts every night he starts like after a couple weeks it starts beckoning him out beckoning him out beckoning him out luring him out hmm. but it's doing it to all these kids around like this little countryside mm -hmm. and eventually they end up like killing it but this monster was it would like sting them it was impenetrable it only shed once a year after it was done eating would shed its exoskeleton and go back into hibernation before the winter ended. Hmm. So, so was it eating kids or something? Yeah. Okay. It was only eating kids. Gotcha. But it was doing the same thing. It was like a beckoning thing. It would sting them. To, like They would start getting colder and colder and colder, like unreasonably cold. Hmm. But if you survived like past the age of like 16, 
It didn't want you anymore. Yeah. But you still had all the side effects. Wow. And I can't remember the name of this book for life. I mean, I've tried to look. I looked, looked, looked. Couldn't find it. I found the creature on a, like, on a, um, like a, like a deviant art. Okay. Like on a deviant art page with no information. It's called Pale Blue Dot or Blue Dot Creature. Yeah. It's literally what it's called. So I thought the book was called Blue Dot. Yeah. And then I couldn't find anything from that. So if mm. anybody can help us, because it's literally has a lot of the same elements that Ross has here. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's like a no name book. Yeah. I literally went to the Ada Public Library and asked for any book on cryptids or monsters. And they're like, here you go. This is it. Still there? No, I know. I know. I don't think so. I think I probably kept it. Oh, okay. And it's not in my collection. We should go to the library and check. It was probably never there. Yeah, it probably wasn't. Probably like, anyways. So this creature is absolutely terrifying, horrifying. Yeah. If anybody, one of our artist friends, wants to do art of this, let us know. I'd love, I'd love to have art for this. I mean, aside from my, you know, awful reading of it, but imagine that this. It's the, the teeth are really, I think, really good. Yeah. The needle-like teeth, the really thin needle-like teeth. I just wonder what would have happened if he had gone oh, out to it. He, we'd never know. He'd be dead. I mean, you'd be dead. He'd be eaten. That's crazy. What else does this thing want? And then the mind projection where you're looking through its eyes. See, that's what the, that's the big thing with that book. Right, yeah. Is the it, same thing. It was a part of the torture for yeah. its seasoning of the, of the food, of the prey, is that it was letting it see the hunt of other kids. Wow. So it's kind of... It's, it's almost like it's raising fear within you. Yeah, like so your adrenaline do the, the adrenochrome or whatever. Yeah. Like literally, it's like yeah. So what if this thing is like a? It almost reminds me of like the um, like a demigorgon from. Yeah, I can see that. Like something similar like that. Except I really it's, see like actively a going super for you. sized Dover demon with an anglerfish mouth. Yeah. Oh yeah. Is really what I think in my head. I see, but gray, this pale gray, this like off color. Right. Yeah. And then the the entity he makes this deal with. And he has no idea what he traded. Wow. That's scary. I know. I would be like, man, Ross, this is intense. This is intense. I, I don't know how. This is a good one for our first one ever. Yeah. I don't know how old you are now for sure, but gosh, like I, I almost just, I, I kind of want to follow up with you on this. Like, I mean, I talked to Ross, like I was talking to him last night. Yeah. Okay. Man, this is intense. If you did any of our. Our social media stuff, or our Discord stuff, or our Patreon stuff—you would tone for these people. Yeah, probably a little bit better, huh? But that—that—that that, my my aura of mystery around me is what drives things. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> that's why I tell myself no, it is. It's, it's weird. This is very weird. I think the weirdest part of it, and I don't know, Ross. I try not to talk to you too much about it because yeah. I want to do this for the show. Yeah. The weirdest part of it's the 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 trade at the end. Yeah, of it that to is. Me. Yeah, it is. Not it. I that. I think it's a setup. Hmm. You think it could be the same entity? Or that they're working together or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Because this other thing could have got him at any time. Obviously, right, they yeah. could get into his house. Yeah, unless there's like, it has to, I wonder if it has to function by some rules where. Like vampire rules, like you have to be invited in or you have you have to yeah. make the choice to come to me or right, something like yeah. that. Yeah, it can't just go and get I don't, you. I get the vibes that this was always the goal of this other being's goal is to offer a deal to make the gray man go away. Mm. That that's the goal to take to accept the deal, to create this scenario yeah. of torment, right? Yeah, and sleeplessness to make you accept the deal. I wonder what it made him give him though. I don't know. I don't know either. <sighs> we pray for you, Ross. Yeah, we definitely. Oh, we we have a lot more to hear from Ross. Yeah, so that's so that's maybe just... some of your questions will be answered. All right, are we ready for Ross's next? Yeah, so, that's, so these that's are the written portion of Ross's. Yeah, so the next thing is the next thing after this. Uh, these are in four parts because our little speaker pipe will only let you do five minutes at a time. Gotcha. So there's like a string of four and a half minute things. Okay. He was pretty good about ending it early. Gotcha. Okay. All right, ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Let's hear, let let's hear more from Ross. All right. I, I got to find it. Three. Okay. Okay, this is... Um... <sighs> The follow-up to the Gray Man um, episode, I guess. I guess the, what, I la- what the last thing was is when that um, fawn or satyr or whatever had come in, um, and this was this is years later. Uh, I was probably in uh, end of elementary school, middle school when that happened, um, and this was in ninth grade in high school. Uh, I um, I was approached by uh, a kid 
that I, I knew him, but he wasn't necessarily a friend, maybe like a kind of an acquaintance. And he, uh, he approached me, um, because at the time I was pretty, um, pretty into studying, um, like occult philosophies and different things. Um, and, you know, I was always carrying around a stack of books and, and, uh, anyways, he comes up to me, uh, in, in class or outside of class and he's like, you know, he, he basically explained, um, he asked me if I, if I knew anything about it, which I mean, obviously I did, um, cause that was kind of a hobby of mine at the time. And, uh, so I, um, he told me that there was a guy that had got a hold of him through AOL Instant Messenger. Um, and this all seemed uh, kind of far-fetched to me at the time, um, understandably so. But he said that this guy had, um, had messaged him out of the blue and that he was trying to get him to retrieve something from a place called the castle. Um, and it was under a flagstone and it was some supposedly a book of some sort. And, um, I kind of thought he was folded, but I really didn't have a lot to do at the time, you know, um, it was a rural area and, you know, after there's really just nothing to do. So I humored, I humored him and went with him and, uh, to his house and read the chat logs that he had saved. And, um, the first thing I kind of noticed was that if he was faking this, um, he spent a lot of time, I mean, a really large amount of time, uh, you know, typing back and forth, um, you know, these chat logs of, of AOL Instant Messenger. I mean, there was like dozens and dozens of pages like of him going back and forth, this guy. And apparently the guy had been, had contacted him weeks before and it was, you know, over, over some time period. I mean, not to say that it, at the time that I was, you know, completely convinced, but, um, you know, some time passed and we started, you know, looking into it and trying to figure out what this place was, this place called the castle, because the dude was talking, um, very cryptically, like, I mean, it, it, there was no, um, it was almost like he didn't want to give out information, more information, um, than, I don't know, it didn't really make, it didn't make a lot of sense in the fact that he was, like, wanting the guy to go retrieve this thing, but at the same time, he wasn't giving a lot of information as to, like, what this actually was, where it was, and why he wanted it. So, um, you know, I go over there off and on for, you know, a week or so. And eventually the guy contacts again, or contacts him again. Sorry, there's a uh, traffic. And, um, you know, so I actually end up talking to the guy too. And, um, he's basically, the story was this. He wanted, uh, my friend, we'll call him, um, and eventually I, to go to this place and it was pretty close to where we lived, which is in the North Georgia mountains, uh, to retrieve, like I said, a book that was underneath a flagstone in a place that he called the castle. Um, you know, we went back and forth for a long time, we tried to get as much information as possible out of this guy. Um, you know, he wasn't very forthcoming, but you know, it was little pieces here and there. I don't know if he was just trying to string it along to, um, keep us interested or, or what it was. But, um, as soon as, you know, as soon as contact was made, a lot of weird stuff started happening. Um, you know, it, it, at first it was just, you know, little like shadow people kind of like you catching the corner of your eye. Um, and then things progressed, um, uh, to, you know, I, we were leaving school one day and there was these railroad tracks that were pretty close to the high school I went to. And, uh, we started finding, uh, the corpses of animals that had, um, been drained of blood and usually were decapitated. Um, and it wasn't, I mean, the first time it was unnerving. Um, I think the first one was a, a deer. Um, this is the end of part one. I'll continue on the second one. And he picks up pretty quick. So I'm just going to keep playing. Okay. This is part two. Um, the first one was a deer, uh, that was, I mean, all the meat was there. Uh, it had just been gutted, uh, and was sand's head. Um, and there was no blood and it was just laying on the railroad tracks. And, uh, I thought it was really strange, obviously. I mean, like why, you know, there's a lot of hunters in the area, but like, why would somebody just leave a fresh corpse like that? Um, 
anyways, he didn't live very far from the school, so we continued about our way. Um, and, you know, he was kind of waiting for this guy to contact us again because he never really responded to us, or very rarely did he. Um, and, you know, more weird stuff started happening. Um, around the same time, um, there was a this black dog that would um, <clears throat> sit outside or across the street from my house, uh, and it would just sit there and stare at the window, just watch our, my house. And it was freaking huge. Um, and you know, it was, I had, would have friends over and people, you know, people would see this. It wasn't the only person. Um, and, uh, yeah. So anyways, um, we did some research and ended up getting this guy's name. Um, and he ended up being a, uh, an occultist himself, um, and a practitioner of left-hand path, um, ceremonial magic. Um, <clears throat> and he had been, um, kind of ostracized from, that community, uh, in the area or in the region, I guess. Um, I, I, it was, uh, yeah. So, you know, just weirder stuff started happening. Like the more that we looked into this, I guess, and the more that we didn't go to this place, which we still didn't exactly know where it was uh, at the time. Uh, one of the specific instances that was very disturbing. Um, I was sitting outside of, um, another friend's house and it was me and his sister and myself, uh, and I was sitting and smoking a cigarette, which I mean, you know, it's in high school. Shouldn't have been smoking, but whatever. Anyways, sitting and smoking a cigarette and, um, we all kind of turned towards the road. It was this weird feeling of like, again, just things being off, like this, this strange off putting, like almost like the wind was carrying a wrongness to it. And, um, there was one streetlight on the, uh, on the road and a, a, a dust devil or a, 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 a thing of leaves kind of got picked up by the wind. And as soon as it hit the road, it made the shape of a person. Um, and it walked across the road. It was like, a leaf man thing. <laughs> and it walks across the road. And as soon as it hits the other side, right outside the street lamp, it immediately goes back into this swirling, um, mass of leaves. Uh, and, you know, we all just looked at each other and we we're like, what the fuck? And, <laughs> you know, dropped our cigarettes and just like, you know, hauled ass back into the house because it was, it was, none of us had ever seen anything like that. It was pretty terrifying. Um, and so, um, it was around this time that the gray man thing started appearing again. I started seeing it again. Um, and I wasn't the only one this time. It would still stay like in the tree lines of different places. Like if I was like one night, for instance, I was at a friend's house, another friend's house. And, um, we were, I don't remember exactly what we were doing. Like, I think we were doing like a tarot reading or something. And, um, and, uh, anyways, like I started having these flashes of this, of this thing. And, um, it was, so we, we basically went to the window and, uh, it was there again, basically trying to compel me or us to go to the, the, um, the tree line again to go to it. Um, but again, I wasn't the only person that saw it this time. Another friend did. And this kind of happened like this, um, off and on quite a bit. And this, it was a barrage of bizarre things and experiences, um, seemed like, you know, it just got worse and more intense and more intense, um, as time went on. And eventually, you know, um, it was just too much. Um, so, you know, I had parted ways with, with the initial guy that had, uh, you know, gotten me into it and we were just like, you know, we, we can't, this is too heavy. We're just going to try to forget this happened and hopefully it'll go away. Uh, this is the end of part two. Do you want me to keep rolling or do you want to take a break? Well, let's just talk about what we've heard so far, like recap a little bit. Okay. So I know we, we've been taking notes. Yeah. So what do you want to go first? Or do you want me to? You go first. You go first. Well, I think, well. We have several things that are probably the same, so go ahead. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that AOL, that, that guy, and whoever it was, the AOL guy, mm -hmm. that they ended up finding out kind of who he was a little bit. Like, that's just weird in, in general. Like, why is he reaching out to, I don't know, just. I'll, so. Here's my thing. 
is he said his you know his friend was in the occult, probably going on forums and stuff like that. Mm, gotcha. That's probably how the connection it, there. Yeah, it's so reminiscent, and it, you can say whatever you want about the show. It's so reminiscent of Hellier, of how the first season got started. Mm. Is it these weird like AOL email mm-hmm. researcher groups got started with these weird cryptic things to get? It almost seems to get these people to get at that point uh, when the the Hellier team was very young. Yeah. So it's like to get these young people, these young kids involved and on the path for something. Right. Yeah. Where I don't think it's anything good for them. Yeah. I think it's a, a trap. It sounds like, like it. The, and that's this never, there's never any real information. That's the same thing with Hellier. I mean, They're never getting anything real, but these little breadcrumbs, enough to keep you intrigued, but nothing is really ever said. And almost like, uh, like he said earlier from the Gray Man story, it's like he kept getting glimpses of like looking through that thing's eyes. Mm-hmm. Like it, and then it was just sitting there waiting to coax him out. Like it's just same, almost kind of the same thing. It's trying to coax you out into a certain area bring get you involved into it you know and mm-hmm. it's weird I, I wonder if there's any connection though so this in the deer head the gutted deer yeah with on the, the railroad tracks yeah uh my brother went to a place he shouldn't have and we've talked about this it was a deep underground root cellar yeah, yeah. like 30 it's like it's 50 foot underground you have to go and then you go in it and there was a deer there's no way to get in this besides this big like almost like a submarine door for everybody at home yeah and there's a deer pinned to the wall like 30, 30 feet off the ground with its chest cavity just opened up and it's got its antlers pinned against the wall. Jeez. So it's this weird thing with a, the occult in deer because that's an occult, a heavily occult yeah. area. Uh, and and he wrote that the guy was a left-hand path occultist. That's, I don't, like, I, I know there's a left-hand, right-hand path mm-hmm. magic, not occultist. Right. Well, he was in the occult, but, but he did the left-hand, chose left-hand path, path magic. Yes, magic, yeah. Yeah, which there's left-hand, right-hand it's different paths for different stuff, and he got kicked out of that order. Yeah, and from what I understand, I think the left hand path is a little bit more like darker, more magic, I, more more magic spells yeah. and things like of that nature. So it's not good. I I, I have here's my thing with magic, and yeah. everybody heard me say this at home: is that left hand, right hand, you're still connected to the same beast. Hmm. I suppose it's like the same. It's like right wing, left wing yeah. doesn't matter. It's the same bird. Yeah, I mean, it just, I think a lot of... Yeah, you know, I, I agree with that. You're pulling from the same source. Whether you think you're using good or evil magic, yeah. doesn't matter. Magic's bad, I, in yeah. my opinion. You're pulling... I don't care if you're light magic or what, white magic, whatever you want to call it. Right. You're pulling from the same pot. Source, yeah. You're, there's a debt being accrued. Yeah. And mm-hmm. somebody's got to pay that debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's all scary stuff already. And we both wrote down the black shuck. Yeah. That the black dog that was across the street watching. Now here's the thing with the black shuck, and it may not be a black shuck. I'm just saying black shuck because that, that's what it remind me of. It's a big black me, dog. Remind me of it too. Other people like it, just screaming black shuck. They're generally not viewed. It's weird. The black shuck's generally not viewed as a bad, bad thing, as in it itself is not evil. Mm-hmm. It's generally viewed as a warning. Mm-hmm. The uh, for somebody from the other side is trying to say like, hey. Something bad's happening. Right, yeah. Here's a big black dog to warn you. And it's weird. Most cultures have the white dog is the bad dog, and then the black dog is the good dog. Yeah. This yin and yang kind of thing. So weird. And uh, it's just like, it's weird. Other people seen it too. Yeah. His friends, yeah, they come yeah, over. Our friend had seen it, and his wife had seen it with him. Wow. When, you know, our fr- our friend, one of our really early on interviews, Kyle. Mm, that's right, yeah, yeah. And Season one. Huh? Season one. Yeah. Way like episode three or whatever it was. Super early. Yeah. Uh, so it's just weird to me that the black shuck. So I have this thing written down that the more you look into it, so this there's this thing with this side of the paranormal. Mm-hmm. The more you look in Appalachian Intelligence, perfect example. Our buddies Justin Ryan Lance. The more you look into it, like they do the, all the Lilith stuff. I highly advise against it. Mm-hmm. Don't. It's not worth it because they start having all the weird stuff happen. They start having owl people show up and they have all this weird stuff. Mm. And they have old crow, like old crone ladies showing up in their backyards and stuff. Like it's not worth it. And that's what I, this screams to me that I don't think Ross is doing it. I'm saying it's buddy. And then this whole, right, this right. whole thing that it's they're, that this thing's, this guy is trying to pull them into. Yeah. I think the more, like the more that they're doing this, the more this stuff it is. Def- it definitely just feels like a trap. A trap. A yeah. screaming trap. Yeah. And then, so, and then this wind elemental. Yeah, I wrote that down. The Leaf Man, I wrote down. And it's I think it's another side effect of the more you look into it kind of thing. 
Unless it's some kind of weird... I always thought of it sometimes, too, as like people doing their own... Whether it's magic or stuff, but doing their own like projections where their their consciousness is moving through that area, watching mm-hmm. things, and then it just kind of picks up the stuff around it at times, so as you can kind of see the form. Yeah. So I, I it's weird. I, think, I don't though, know it's though. That he's the more you look into it, the more stuff you see. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that may have nobody else may or it may not have been seen by anybody else if you're not into the paranormal side of the world. Right. Yeah. Uh, last thing I have, is, well, the kind of combination thing is the the gray man came back. Yeah. And that's right there tells you whatever trickster deal thing was a farce right. in his first part because it lied. That's why I think it was the same entity or they're in cahoots. Mm. That it's a trick. Saving it for later. Yeah. Yeah. And that what if this gray man is the filter for these magic rituals? What do you As mean in, filter? Like they like Hellier's crew got brought in on a ritual. They think at, towards the end that's what they kind of think is it the whole thing that all these people are having them do run around circles, do all this weird stupid yeah. stuff. Was it was a ritual that they were a part of without knowing they were a part of. Mm. So what if that's the same thing? These boys, Ross and his friend, are getting pulled into a ritual without even realizing it, and there may be a quote unquote reward at the end of it, but there are purposeful perils along the way, and this may be a predator. Of this system, hmm. to where it tries to it tries to eat you. Yeah, it's the kind of its goal. Like it's yeah. the part. It, it's its purpose in this system. Yeah. Gosh dang. So this like is when weird. he stopped looking into it, when he went away from it, he made the deal to stop or yeah. whatever deal he made. It stopped. It stopped. Yeah. Well, he scarred back into it. Predators back. Mm-hmm. Bloods in the water. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Dang. Got we got two more parts. All right. All right let's ready? finish the second half of this. Yep. I guess this is part three. Um, anyways, after after my uh, initial friend and I kind of shelving everything and trying to, um, you know, forget about it and hope that things calm down, you know, maybe a couple of years had passed. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting in somebody's living room and, you know, the, there was no, there, there was no, um, like, for all we knew that, you know, there there's, we had, you know, long since forgotten about all this stuff or, you know, like there was no connection between that person and the people I was staying with. But, you know, in walks this guy with a friend of a friend and, uh, apparently he had picked up the research again and, um, had found out that the place called the castle was actually, um, this house called, uh, that was referred to as Corpsewood Manor, um, which, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the, the whole story of Corpsewood Manor, but um, what it what it was is Corpsewood Manor is a, um, a house that was built by this couple that had moved down from, I believe, Chicago. Um, and uh, it was owned by a, uh, a an occultist, a ceremonial magician, and his uh, husband, or yeah, I guess boyfriend, because they they weren't allowed uh, gay marriage at the time wasn't a thing this is like in the 80s i believe 70s 80s anyways uh and what had happened is uh the owner and his um significant other were um murdered along with their animals um by one of the local guys um one night went in and and uh blew their heads off with shotguns and killed all their animals um and, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, um, talk about this, what went on there. Like there was a, a lot of, um, rituals that were being performed and there was a lot of, um, stuff involving like heavy amounts of LSD, um, which, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the owner was a organic chemist, uh, by trade. So I am assuming that he manufactured it himself, um, Anyways, uh, and so after these murders took place, um, the whole place um, was burned to the ground, and it was rumored that there was something that was protecting the property, some sort of demon, uh, is said, um, that wouldn't allow um, people with ill intent to really go on the property or, you know, chase them off, um, which come to find out is, I guess, why um, the, the person wanted us to go retrieve that book for them was because, you know, uh, uh, us being kids, you know, we weren't, um, we didn't fit that criteria of having ill intent or ill will. Um, so 
anyways, he had found this out. And, you know, like I said, this is years later that, you know, I wasn't in high school. And anyway. I think it was, I don't know, it was like 17 or 18. Um, so, you know, this is quite a bit of time later. Um, and he would just pop back in my life. And every time that would happen, like he would just be the most random things. And, uh, he had never, ever gone and retrieved it, but he kept on doing research and he'd find more stuff and things would start just going ape shit again. Like thing, weird stuff would start happening. Um, like, um, there was one instance that I had gone over this girl's house and, um, started seeing we started both started seeing like uh her grandfather i guess it ended up being this guy that would hold a hatchet and say he'd be like in the hallway or like in a room you know and as soon as you turn the light on you'd see somebody like just a shadow um you know in overalls kind of like holding this hatchet and as soon as you turn the light he just nothing you know nothing would be there and uh you know so just weird shit like that and apparently what in that instance what had um happened was it was supposedly her grandfather uh, said that he would stay around to protect that um, property from, you know, in the family, uh, from anybody that, you know, brought in negativity or whatever, however, you know, you want to really phrase that. Uh, this is the end of part three. Let's just roll right into part four. Okay. This is the last part. It's the beginning of part four. Um <clears throat> Anyways, uh, you know, so this would happen, <laughs> happen periodically. I mean, he would just pop back in, like, and never look for the guy who would never, you know, try to find him or do anything. Um, and it wasn't always just him, you know, some, sometimes I, you know, I'd be on the internet and uh, somehow like just end up in a, a link to something, you know, that was related to corpse would, would just pop up. I mean, this was back in like you know they started back in like you know myspace days when there you know wasn't a bunch of youtubers that were going around and um you know doing ghost hunts and looking for things like that it was you know relatively uncommon but there was you know, I still somehow f happened upon these websites you know not really looking for myself um like i think one of them like one of the first ones was like from angel fire if you remember that back in the day um and it was the, these ex i guess urban explorers that had gone out there and um you know, taking pictures of, of what remained of the, of the buildings and uh, in those pictures found out that there were actually flagstones uh, leading up to the main entrance of the house. And apparently they still are there as far as I know. Uh, they haven't been disturbed or moved um, or anything. So it's, you know, been a debate for a couple decades now, whether I, you know, actually want to go and try to retrieve this thing or if I don't know that anybody else ever has, and I don't know what happened to the person, um, and this whole time, like, you know, the little gray person, the gray man thing, like it was, it was almost like it kept, I mean, it kept a distance more so, and it kind of faded out with age, uh, which is a little bit disturbing, more disturbing to me. Like the older I got, the less I would see it, um, when related to these instances, um, but uh, there was there was definitely a correlation uh, to some degree, you know, whether being involved in this um, or getting pulled in, into it, I guess, to some degree, um, whether that, um, you know, made it allowed it a, a door to step back through or what exactly. Um, it's, I'm not 100 percent sure, but yeah, it was it was very strange. Um I'll, I'll have to, um, I'll have to send some links to, to some of this, um, some of the information I found about it, if you're interested. Um, but, uh, the property itself, if you want to look it up is it's in, uh, I can't remember what County, but it is in North Georgia. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of in a nutshell what happened. Um, like there, there want to, there, there's so many instances like in the initial, the initial, um, I guess when we first, when I first got into it, like we'd start finding, um, these geometric patterns of stones in, in the woods, uh, from where close by to the high school, close by to where that guy lived. Um, and there would be like little, like in the center of them, there would be, um, like trees that were like bent at weird angles. Um, they looked like they had grown that way, which is really strange. Um, and then like you'd see like from the corner of your eye, um, or like, you know, in, in your periphery, you see these little like 
small like shadow figures darting in and out like almost like they were like watching or stalking or observing you as you pass through and um that whole area is just really bizarre like i don't know something about that town um there was always a really weird feeling you know when you first got there i think i had talked about it in the whole uh when i wrote up the gray man thing um i actually went back not too long ago when i when i got back in this area um and it doesn't have the same feel to it exactly it's it's been repressed a lot um i don't know if it's just that it was so isolated at the time and for so many years or what exactly but it's kind of lost some of that um i mean it's still there it's just under the surface now uh, yeah but anyways i guess that's uh that's my story <laughs> thanks well thank you ross thank you ross for sharing that that's yeah a truly for amazing account i mean seriously it's freaky and it's all this stuff uh i still have more comments i do want to say i did pull up the manor yeah um i'm pulling it back up sorry corpsewood manor first off a horrible name right uh so this is 1977 okay so two like he said uh two gay men moved down to the mansion it's supposed to be the couple's dream home uh they were killed gruesomely with their... Okay, he said his animals. I want you to guess what animals they had in the house with him. Well, I assumed probably a dog. They have two. Two dogs, a cat, I mean, a bird. Two adult bull mastiffs. Oh, big dogs. Yeah, bull mastiffs. Uh, they were they died as a result of an attempted robbery, according to the main story. Right, right. Of two antique... Uh, and I can never say this word. Antiquarian? No. Hmm. Uh, different episode. Okay. Anyways, uh, Guy, Avery, and Tony, uh, during the ensued investigation of the trial that fueled uh, prior to the local media cri- or, uh, circus, a mythos evolved. The victims were uh, verified evil devil worshippers, drawing in Dr. Scuttle's interest in the occult and the, pair of the pair's open homosexuality in the South during a time when it was definitely not accepted. Despite having a very well liked in the besides being very well liked in the community by those who knew them, their horrendous mythos continue to this day, uh, referred to as Devil Worshippers Mountain, is mm. where it's located. Wow. Um, this was only this was built in 1977. Oh. Nothing is standing. Really? It's been tore. Oh, I don't know. It's been burned. It's been tore. It's gone. Like the the foundations there. Like you can go see it still. Yeah. But there's like the house has been. For only being 50 years old. That's nuts. Nothing's there. It was a beautiful, supposedly a giant, beautiful house. Um, it's this whole thing that were they actually devil worshippers or were these people just accusing them of being devil worshippers because they were openly gay at the time? Right, yeah. You know, it's that kind of line that are people accusing them of being gay because of, you know, it's just because they're or accusing them of being devil worshippers just because, because they're, they're gay. gay. Yeah. It's this whole line. I don't know. Uh, it's weird to me that a pair of gay men uh, would move to the middle of nowhere, Georgia. It's Somerville. There's nothing there, and be open, like openly gay in a time where it was in the South. It was not very accepted. Yeah. Like you knew you were going in for trouble. Yeah. There's easier places to live. Unless they just were kind of naive, you know. Maybe they, you know, they're from that Chicago. Could that could be. It's like we we want to move out of the city, move more rural. That's real different. That's a whole different world. What Chicago? Moving out of Chicago into oh, the, yeah. to nowhere, Georgia. Oh yeah, very different. So maybe they just thought like, "Hey, this is our beautiful house. We can get away, live the life we want to live." And gruesomely shot in the face, and then yeah. Here's the weird thing though: is there didn't seem to be a whole lot. Of, I don't know. It's just from my cursory look into Corpsewood Manor. They're not like a whole lot. It looks like they were just pretty much killed. Right. Yeah. And two bull mastiffs. I don't know. That's just that was the most striking thing to me is the two dogs. That's kind of that's now, crazy. This there is a lot of lore already from my cursory research while he was talking. Mm-hmm. It says if you take bricks, stones, rocks, or anything of the sort from the manor property, you'll be cursed for all your life. And it has this whole thing with like like uh, with things we don't talk about on this show because yeah. I don't want the show to just explode. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that. These objects around, like if you take stuff from them, like people have sent mailed it back to the, the state. It's owned by the state now. Right, yeah. They mailed it back to the state to be, please return to the property. Yeah. That happens here too. Yeah. Nobody talks about it. 
Not at we'll all. have to do a whole episode on this manor because it's it's odd. There's a lot to it. Already. Really? From what on the state? That's all from the state's page. Oh wow! Okay. What the state has admitted. Yeah. That they get mailed rocks constantly. So I can't imagine bricks. What, what other stories are out there yeah. about it? Yeah. So that's weird to me though that there's this curse around taking bricks and stuff, and they wanted you to go underneath the flagstone. Hmm. You know, these weird. big flagstones out, you know, in the right, walkway yeah. to the yard. Yeah. Uh, and they're too young, like the, the the innocence. Yeah, that made sense. What from what he said, that makes. So in my head, they're still. And it screams they're a part of a ritual. Right. They, yeah. They're they're there because they the guys that are setting them up. No, they can't go because they're all going to die. Right. Exactly. It's, yeah. There's like well, it reminds me of uh, basically the thing at my house, my old house. Right. It's attached to something. And the more you mess with it, worse it gets, worse it gets, worse it gets. I wonder if that book really was there, though. See, I don't know if it's a sacrifice. Like, the kids, the Ross and the buddy, could have been a sacrifice to the thing. Yeah. There could have been nothing under these rocks. They want you to go there and flip all these stones to make the thing angry. What, what if this? What if their heads weren't blown off by shotguns or they were ate by that gray thing? Oh, gosh. Like, it's part of a ritual. <sighs> Anyways, Ross, I guess what we're getting at is don't go back. Yeah, I, I don't, think, I don't think there's a book under the ground. Don't even. Yeah, it's not worth it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I really don't think there is. I think this is like a setup ritual thing. It's 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 very occulty. Like, oh yeah, it screams like trying to trick two kids. Yeah. And I, into a very dangerous situation. Right. Yeah. It seems very yeah very ritualistic. Well, dare I say, very left hand path, perhaps. I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't I've know never either. looked into it. So. I don't know either. I don't know. It's just. Do you have any more notes? I'm no. I mean, I, I just really like taking in that whole story. Like Ross, that's a, an awesome. Not an awesome. Awesome that's as like, in, like I'm in awe. All inspiring. Almost. Yeah, like as this in is the true definition of the word awesome. It's horrible for you. Yeah, it's horrible for Ross. <laughs> but one hell of a life experience, I guess. I, I don't fully know. believe if you went away and dug up that book, you'd be dead. Yeah, we. I don't think we'd ever heard this. Story. I don't think there's no book. Yeah. I think it's all a ritual. So crazy! It's so crazy. So imagine how much of this stuff is going on, uh, just around the country, like in general, like all over the place, not just in this one area. This is probably one of thousands of things just going on like this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But here's a little glimpse into it. And I think these rituals happen constantly. Yeah. And I think that could be a part of the missing well, four one thing is getting these people to walk out in the middle of national state parks. Yeah. And it's a part of the ritual. And it's like a well. I mean, you 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 have history of you know being having family being part of a ritual and stuff like. And you, they, yeah, they were not willing participants. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Being yeah. victims of a ritual. Um, but it kind of reminds me, and too, like uh, parallels with like kind of Stranger Things. I know you haven't seen it yet, but on season four, there's ritualistic part where they're feeding people to like the demigorgon, like they're feeding it to him. Like it's a part of, to keep it, um, to keep it contained. Like to keep it satisfied, they're actively feeding it so it stays enclosed, it stays docile. But as long as they allow it, they give it the opportunity to eat and hunt on their terms. That or and they when, they are gaining their power from them sacrificing things and kids to this thing. It could be, yeah, it could be that too. Yeah, yeah. Dang, this is intense, Ross. <sighs> This is one hell of a story. What if the buddy got in on it? Like he tried to drag Ross into it? Yeah. I mean, why Why would he approach him in, you know? Maybe he was ordered to give him. But, well, I don't know, maybe. But then he'd have to be placed up some part of acting with all the messages that Ross read through. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe. Maybe it's all an act, but it's either way, it's frightening. Be, you're out in the world. Keep your guard up. Keep your awareness up. A lot of... Hey, kid, you want to go dig up a book? No. No. Yeah, it's simple. No, I don't. Simple. That simple. Move on. On Especially to the next. Especially, like, not answering any questions and not... Like, he could have just yeah. said, if he wanted these kids to go dig this thing up, or when Ross and his buddy to go dig this thing up, it's at Courtswood Manor. It's under right. the flagstone. Yeah. Yep. Just go up there. Just it's go get it real 20 quick miles and bring it to me. Yeah. The fact he didn't do that is, yeah, trying to lure them there, trying it's to get them involved. The castle. Yeah. Like it's this mystery thing to keep. To it, yeah. Yeah. Wow, this was intense. 
I don't, yeah, it's a good. Thank you. It's a perfect first one. Wait, what a what a heck of a way to start off season four with this new format. Ross, let us know what you think about this episode. Yeah, and our responses to your encounters. If anyone else like has any, please. I guess similar experiences or something they can relate to that sounds familiar to like an experience like this. Please comment. Like, let us know. Call in. Like, we need. I want more information about things like this. Yeah. Oh gosh, I don't know if I do. I mean, I don't, I guess I don't, I don't know. All right. Well, this will just be Jay's part of the show, I yeah, guess. I'll just turn yeah. it on and leave That'll for the rest me. of the time. Yeah. I have been the great and powerful mystery. And I've just been Jay. And remember, guys, uh, the links are all below. Join Patreon if you can. It's a lot of fun. If you want to submit your story, use the speaker pipe link. Uh, get ready for the documentaries are coming out probably this weekend, actually, when this thing comes out. Maybe, or the weekend after the first episode. Mm. We'll see. All right, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to Crips of the Corn podcast. Please share with a friend you think would like us. It's the best way to help our show grow. Leave a comment, rate us, a five-star review. And remember, there is always extra content on Patreon slash Crips of the Corn.com. And don't forget, stay magical.